good to see what God did at the main event. Amen? Wasn't that awesome? So many lives changed. And one thing that you didn't see is that thousands of dollars were raised. The kids brought in money, and that money is given to our international partner in Vanuatu, Colson. And there's incredible work being done on that island. And we get to continue to partner and join together. The kids were thrilled again this year to be part of that as he's reaching children there. So as it happened in Auburn, it happens on the other side of the world. And God just continues to multiply his blessings. God is moving with Grace Kids. God is also moving in our high school ministry. Here's a picture from yesterday. And we prayed and sent out our high school students. There's the team. They're going to Idaho this week. So keep them in prayer. And they're going to go reach kids in Idaho that are gathering for a VBS, a main event there. So they've served here. Now they're going to Idaho for the similar event and to serve and reach kids in Idaho. You see how God's just bringing the different pieces together? It's exciting to be involved in ministry, walking with God this summer, seeing him change lives. Today there's an opportunity. Christmas in July is something we've been doing now as a tradition, and it's to really encourage and support our international partners. We have over 40 Over half of them are raised up from our church. We want to raise people up, send them out, and we send gifts in July. You think of Christmas in December, but how great it is for them to get some encouragement in July. So on the tree, you just grab one of those gifts, pick which international partner you want to send it to, and it's a way to stay connected there. Also, Melody Ferris is here today. Melody, if you would stand up uh, wherever you are, just stand up and wave uh, and raise your hand. Melody Ferris, let's see. Okay, well, maybe she's not here yet, but she's here today, and Melody has served in Taiwan for over 40 years. Over 40 years serving in Taiwan. We're so grateful for her. You know, that's a long ways to come. So it's understandable if she's a little late to church. I mean, she came a long ways. But you'll see her in between services, talk to her, hear stories. Just say, what's God doing in Taiwan? And just let her start sharing some incredible stories. Uh, also today, we have an opportunity for prayer with healing with our elders, anointing with oil from James chapter 5. God's word is very clear. Have the elders ready to pray with people, anoint with oil. And God is moving through these prayers we are seeing so many answers. People are coming back to the elders and saying, you know, you prayed for me and I gotta tell you what happened. Uh, people are going into the doctor and all of a sudden it's gone. Like the cancer, the tumor's gone. Like we've seen the miraculous. We've seen steady answers to prayer. Uh, we wanna join together in prayer by faith. And at the end of this message, you'll be able to receive prayer for any part of your life where you just know you need prayer today. Let's go to the Lord. Uh, this is Psalm 42. We're in a series, Summer Refreshment, the Psalms, Psalm 42. And the title is, When You Feel Really Low. Where do you go? What do you do when you feel really low? Psalm 42, let's pray. Father God, thank you. We celebrate all the great things you are doing. We love to give you honor, worship you. Thank you for these blessings. Thank you, God, that during the summer, it's not just a time to be stagnant, but to really grow in our faith and to serve and break out of our routines. And thank you, God, for what's happening here, what's happening in Taiwan, Idaho, God, around the world. We gladly enter in. And we thank you that you meet us at our low points. We pray that you do that today. You're close to the brokenhearted and that you would restore as we seek you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In the Psalms, there's a wide range of experiences and a wide range of emotions. And that's fitting because we have a wide range of experiences and emotions, and it's very relevant. These emotions include being melancholy and downcast. 
And David writes many of the Psalms. Today's different. It's not one from David, but David sets a tone in the Psalms of being very vulnerable and transparent. And that culture, we can embrace that because we want to be real with each other. And this is another Psalm where we can go deep with the psalmist, enter in, and it inspires us to really seek God. Being downcast, I want to say it clear from the beginning, you can love God and feel downcast. Also, you can have many blessings in your life and still feel very low. You can be secure in God and in your identity and in the promises of God and be downcast. You can even be faithful to God and feel very low. That's the truth is that all of us know what it's like to feel downcast, to be at a low point, and to be trying to think through, solve, navigate some of our emotional experiences and how it relates to our relationship with God. In this psalm, there are waves of despair. We're going to look at three waves of despair, and then also what I'm calling three antidepressants. There are some antidepressants in this passage. What can you do when you feel low? And we want to discover, learn, and cultivate what God invites us into during the low points of our lives. So we're going to look at three waves, three antidepressants. What I appreciate about this psalm is it's a both and. It's both very real and there's a healing path. A lot of people today think the whole thing is just be real. Be real, be authentic, be transparent. That's important. But that's only half the picture. The other half is the healing and restoration path that God wants to bring in our lives. Being real is only the starting point. Then we want to enter in to God's goodness. That's where the Psalms go. And we're going to start in Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. The first step that we can take when we feel low is to pour out your soul to God. That's literally what the psalmist says. Pour out my soul to God. Now, the context is that we have a leader, and the Levites were leaders in the temple and in ministry. Korah is a name that you might have heard in the Bible. He's known for rebellion. He rebelled against Moses. Korah, along with that rebellion, there were 250 others who rebelled against Moses, their leader, ultimately rebelled against God. And God stepped in and 250 died. God intervened with his justice at that point in this rebellion. So when you hear Korah, some people think, oh, that's rebellion against God and leadership. And well, Korah's next generation, his sons were faithful. And it's an encouraging reminder that if one generation is astray and has idolatry, there can be a new start in the next generation, learning from mom or dad of what not to do spiritually and say, I'm going in a new direction. And they were faithful, they were appointed, they were serving, they were ministering. Many of you serve in this place. Many of you have stepped up and used your gifts. It's a joy to be in the house of the Lord. It's a joy to serve. And this particular author is thinking back about different times in serving, gathering, worshiping. 
And there were three rhythms, times of gathering in the calendar for the Israelites. These feasts where people would gather in Jerusalem. There was the Passover, Pentecost. And then there was also the Feast of Booths where they would remember God's faithfulness in the wilderness. It's important to remember God's faithfulness in the wilderness. And they would gather and celebrate and worship God. They would celebrate the faithfulness and favor of God. It's important to remember God's faithfulness in your life, his favor. And as the psalmist recognizes all of those inspiring moments, and maybe you've had a lot of high points in your walk with God, where you would say, oh, I remember this, and you just start to tell the story, and there's excitement. At the same time in that recollection, in that celebration, we also have an acknowledgement that in the moment right here and now for the psalmist, there is crying, there, is, there are tears, and it's night and day. My tears have been my food during the day and the night. Have you had seasons in your life where the tears were flowing during the day and during the night? And when the tear ducts dried up, it was a, a crying without physical tears, but still inside crying. That's where the psalmist says, I'm at. And in addition to that, there's people who make it worse. How many have ever been down and some people just stop by to kick you while you're down? <laughs> ever experienced that one? Why is it that there's always the people show up to just make it a little worse, right? The psalmist is going through it. Man, I used to love leading worship and we would gather and thank God, but actually right now I'm downcast and there's tears night and day. And then look who's showing up and they're taunting. Well, where is your God? That's what they're saying, mistreated. So going from worship and celebration to feeling pretty low and then feeling like this psalmist just got kicked. That's the context for this psalm, Psalm 42. Now, what does the psalmist say? Like a deer depends on water. Like a thirsty deer panting for water, I depend on God. God is vital for me every day. If I'm gonna be vibrant in my life, it's gonna be because of the presence of God. Just like a deer will go to water thirsty, I'm coming to God thirsty. I yearn for God, I long for God, I desire God. Do you have that in your heart and your soul, that longing for God? And then do you ever put words on it? Do you ever let people know, I desire God today. I'm longing for God today. I need God's presence today. My soul is thirsty today. That's the way that the psalmist is describing the inner condition of their life. We all have an inner condition. We all have an inner life. And the psalmist is saying, my soul is thirsty. When you hear someone say their soul is thirsty, what they're saying is that I have more than just physical needs. I enjoy a good meal. I enjoy, you know, a, a, a beverage, refreshing, cool water on a hot day. Like there's physical needs that I have and those, you know, I, I'm, I'm satisfied as God provides. The psalmist is saying, I also have spiritual needs and I have a soul and the spiritual needs in my life, they even supersede the physical needs. My very soul is thirsty. Sometimes in America, we stuff our souls with so many things that I think we forget we actually have spiritual needs and our soul is thirsty. We just think, well, if I can game a little more, if I can social media a little more, if I can get a few more likes and maybe my soul will be satisfied. Your soul will not be satisfied by those things. And so just getting in touch that we have a soul that's thirsty and only God's presence can satisfy, the psalmist is making that very clear during this time of being very discouraged. My soul is parched 
I wanna be close to the living God. So I'm gonna go directly to God. Now, Hannah is someone in the Bible that's learned to go directly to God. And the Bible says she pour out her soul to God. It's a habit. It's something you cultivate. You go deep with God. You go directly to God. Some things happen in life that are discouraging. Where do you go? Go to God. Pour out your soul to God. Hannah's situation is that she longed to have a child. She was childless. She was barren. Her husband didn't fully understand. He was starting to have children with another wife, and things were messed up. And she goes directly to God, pours out her soul to God, grieves with God, and she doesn't stuff it, but she goes to the Lord and pours out her soul. Would you agree that is really healthy to go directly to God and pour out your soul? That's not what I grew up doing. We all grew up in different families and every family kind of has a culture and a way of coping and what do you do when things get rough in life? Where do you go? And my family, we didn't believe that God existed. I didn't believe God existed, so I didn't go to God. This was something later in life, but I came to know God as a young adult. And then it's how in the world do I pour my soul out to God? Like, what is that? Like, we might as well be talking like Japanese. Like, I don't understand that, right? I don't understand that language. I don't understand what that means. There's phrases in church where it's like, what does that mean to pour out your soul to God? And what happened for me is that God broke me in my 20s. And I don't think, unless I was broken, I don't think I would have had a longing to pour out my soul to God. Sometimes it's not until you're broken that you really start to pour out your soul to God. Because if there's a little bit of pride and self-reliance, that'll stop you from pouring out your soul to God. If you think you kind of have life figured out and you pretty much have most of it together, why would I ever be vulnerable and pour out my soul to God? I mean, I've got a good job. I'm intelligent. I've got some money. I've got a career path. People like me. Why do I need to look foolish and pour my soul out? Out to God, but we all need to pour out our soul to God. And God broke me, and I started that journey. I didn't have a master class, I didn't learn it in a year or two. I'm still going there, I'm still learning how that is my go to and go deeper. But something started deep in me where that's gonna be a new thing for me and I'm gonna learn that because I'm finding relief and I'm finding solace there and I'm finding comfort there when God's presence and I'm finding that burdens are getting lighter as I pour up my soul to God. What I found is that when you're in situations where you just know it's too much, it's just too much, it's too much for me, it's too much, that's a cue and a hint, that's a clue that it's time to pour out your heart to God. And being in ministry, I never planned to go into ministry, but you see some things in ministry. I'm just gonna tell you. You know, they say police officers and pastors see the underbelly of everything, right? So you see some things in ministry and there's just some things that are too much for me to carry on my own shoulders. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna keep going back to how can I pour out my soul to God? Hannah, pour out your soul to God. This Levite, pour out your soul to God. David pours out his soul to God. This is a pattern in scripture. This is healthy in your walk with God. And stuffers get to a point where I'm not gonna keep stuffing. My pattern before I knew God was to stuff. Does anyone else have that natural inclination? 
<laughs> like, okay, life just handed me what? Whew, I'm gonna have to stuff that down there too. Okay, where's that gonna fit? It's kind of like when recycling shows up at our house. I'm just like, how does that one truck do our whole neighborhood and how does it just keep packing in? Like, it seems like they'd run out of room, but they just keep stuffing more in that recycling truck. I'm like, uh, my little mind can't quite figure all that out yet. Uh, some of us are like that. Just, let me stuff this in there. Let me stuff this in there. Do you think it's healthy long-term to just keep stuffing all the time? Don't you kind of think that's gonna build up on your soul, your emotions, your body? Don't you think that's gonna spill over in some relationships if we're just stuffing and stuffing and let me see, like stuff this in there and oh, let me stuff that pain and let me stuff that disappointment and stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. You don't have to stay in that. God's here to say, come out of that mode. Come out of that mode and pour out your soul to God. We say, what does that kind of look like? We start to identify. You identify, I'm feeling this way. I'm experiencing this thing. This is what the psalmists do. I'm experiencing this. I'm feeling this. I think it's because of this. Sometimes you search, why, oh, my soul, are you so downcast? Like, why, what's going on in my life? But this, I know this is how I'm feeling. I know this is what I'm experiencing. And then you gotta open your heart. See, some of us, we've got a closed heart. We got a hard heart. And you can't pour out your soul to God with a closed hard heart. So you've got to decide, I'm going to open up that heart and I'm going to start to bring some things to God. I'm going to start to hand over some things to God. And as you do that, you experience some healing and you give a little more. Here's some more burdens and I'm experiencing some restoration. Well, here's some anxiety and some worry. And and now I'm experiencing some comfort. And now I'm doing something new. I'm pouring out my soul to God and God is meeting me in that place. I'm making room in my life for God. And I wanna summarize this. At your low points, this is what you can do. Make room in your life for God because he wants to come in there. He wants to come in there. And as you pour out your soul to him, you're never gonna surprise him. There will never be one time where you say, God, I'm feeling this. And God's gonna go, you are? God, I'm going through this. Oh, really? Tell me some more. Didn't see that one. Really, you're not gonna fool or surprise God ever, but what happens in your relationship as you do that is that he gets closer and you make room in your life for him and that place that you wanna keep stuffed and closed off, now he's showing up and when God shows up, good things happen. Good things happen. So pour out your soul to God. I'm speaking to anyone who feels hopeless and helpless today, like life's gotten hard, I'm at a really low point and there's absolutely nothing I can do. No, God empowers us and a starting point is to pour out your soul to God. That's where this psalmist starts. Well, here comes the second wave and isn't it just like despair? After you make it through one wave, right? And here's like, whoo, let me breathe a little bit. And then whoosh, here comes the second wave. That's what happens here to the psalmist as well. Verse five, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. The second thing you can do, talking antidepressant, is to receive God's immense love daily. Begin to receive God's 
not small love, not well that just dried up, his immense love, receive it daily. Now the psalmist again is gonna start by acknowledging, admitting, owning, I'm very downcast. And downcast just returned. I was like, see you later, downcast. Hope I don't see you for a couple years. And then what happens a couple verses later? Downcast comes right back again. Have you ever just, you know, kicked downcast out of the house and then you lock up the door and you turn around and like downcast is in your living room. And it's like, wait a second. Like, how are you getting back in here? I thought we were done. Here comes the second wave. And the psalmist says, deep calls to deep. Disturbed, discouraged. It feels like waves. Would you agree? I mean, I know at a time in my life where I was so low and all of us, there's times during the week where we feel low. Would you agree that it feels like waves? It can feel overwhelming and it can feel like despair. Waterfalls is a picture. If you're standing under a waterfall, just like it keeps hitting, it keeps coming back like again and again. I feel flooded. That's another image. I feel flooded with downcast. And Mount Mazar is mentioned here. Mount Mazar, you think of Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and then we have Mount Mazar. Now, geographically separate, uh, some Bible commentators would say in exile. The Israelites were literally in exile in Babylon. Sometimes we feel like we're in exile. We're not in community or we're not close to God. We feel like we're either we've wandered and drifted or Mount Mazar, Mount Zion. From Mount Mazar, the psalmist is saying, I like it better in Mount Zion. I like it better in Jerusalem. I like it better when we gather to worship and pray. Some of you, Sundays is really inspiring and then Friday nights is really hard. You just feel really alone. Sundays, you get talking, conversation, prayer, and then Monday morning you wake up and you're just like, oh, the world is on my shoulders. I like it better when we're all here and praising and loving and encouraging and serving. And sometimes it's tough. From Mount Mazar, it's tough. There's almost like a longing. Jerusalem, Mount Zion, Mount Mazar. I point this out to say that some people in this room, you know right now you're not where you wanna be. You're feeling like you're on Mount Mazar, not Mount Zion. And if you were really honest, you'd say, I'm not where I wanna be. I'm just not quite where I wanna be with prayer. I'm not quite where I wanna be with God. I'm not quite where I wanna be with scripture. I'm not quite where I wanna be with serving. I'm not quite where I wanna be with leading people to Jesus. I'm not quite where I wanna be in my marriage. I'm not quite where I wanna be financially. It's just not quite the job that I wanted. It's just not the place. I didn't think I would end up in this neighborhood or in this, I just, it's not quite where I wanna be. Some of you can relate to feeling like, oh, I'm in Mount Mazar. Whew, I always thought I'd be in Mount Zion in Jerusalem over there. And the psalmist is saying, I'm not quite where I wanna be right now. I'm, I'm downcast. I don't even really understand why I'm so downcast, but I'm downcast. Yet, I will still keep praying. Yet, I will still keep praising God. Don't you hear that in this psalm? That even though I'm in Mount Mazar, I will continue to pray. I will continue to praise. I'm gonna to continue to pray. I'm gonna to continue to praise. With the people of God, I'm gonna to continue to do those things because ultimately, this is not gonna be about my inability. This is gonna be about God's ability. I'm gonna keep praising and praying 
Because the way out of this mud and muck and mire is not gonna come down to my ability. It's God's ability. I know my inability. I know I can't just turn it around. I can't make it all right. I can't fix it. I can't change hearts. I can't just do it. No, but God is able. So I'm gonna continue to pray to and praise the one who's able. That's the posture I'm gonna take And this love that God brings, it's greater than my failure. It's greater than my bad decisions. It's greater than my loneliness. It's greater than my enemies. It's greater than my sins. It's greater than my despair. It's greater than my drifting. It's greater than my strife. And it's greater than the defeat and the downcast that I feel. The fact is God's love is greater than all those things combined. And the truth here is that God directs his love. The psalmist says God directs his love, and the meaning of that is just like in a military sending out, there's a commander, there's a commandment, and a messenger is sent out. A messenger in the military, God directs his love, and that messenger would travel faithfully and arrive to that location. The commander says, take the message to the king, and the messenger goes. God directs his love, and it is faithfully gonna go to the right person at the right time, and we wanna receive that great love that's coming. God will send his love in so many forms. He might send it with a Bible verse. He might send it with a resource, a brand new study Bible. He might send it through a pastor, a life group leader. He might send it through a counselor. He can send his love and so many different blessings. It it could even be uh, medicine to help you in in your situation. God sends his love. This is a story uh, from this week in the sound. And I see God's love written all over the story. Maybe you heard that one of the ferries to historic Port Townsend had, couldn't make it back. So the trip went out, this group of people happy to go see Port Townsend. And then this is what happened is they walked back to the ferry terminal thinking this one day trip was awesome. They come back and now the wind has picked up. And the next ferry, as it turns out, can't sail. No panic, there's more ferries, but a hard breeze came and led to the rough seas. And the next ferry was canceled. And as that continued, the last ferry for the night was canceled. So what do you do when you go to Port Townsend thinking it's a one-day excursion and you actually can't come back? That was a situation this week. Now, all the hotels and vacation homes are book solid. There's absolutely no place to stay. One of the workers with the ferry volunteered to help. His name is William B.G. Patterson, his wife, Ariana, and they live 10 miles south. There's some great details to the story. They said, we're just happy that everyone was off the street last night. Every hotel in town, every Airbnb, no room. The passengers on the ferry, they tried the American Red Cross, the Sheriff's Office, and the YMCA. It's getting desperate right? In addition to that, they asked if they could camp in the ferry terminal or if they could just go back on the docked boat and sleep there. But policies are policies and everywhere the answer was the same thing, no. A lot of the people on the ferry were seniors. Kip Goodwin, 79 years old, says we were all looking out for each other. Then this young man, he came and he walks in and he says, you're all going to stay at my house tonight. The ferry worker declared, you're all staying at my house. Uh, He called his wife, and as he talked to Ariana, 
First, she joked, he threatened he would bring home a straggler one day, and he did, and he did. He's always said that. Their home, 1,300 square feet. Kind of a humble place. They also have two kids, so it's not like there's a lot of space there. Uh, But she replied, we have enough space for two people, no big deal. He asked, could I bring two people? She said, no big deal. And you know what happened? There was nine or 10 more people that still needed a space. So he called his wife back up. Have you ever called your spouse and said, you know that first plan? Well, it's kind of changed. We got a bigger, better plan than that. I'm bringing home nine or 10 people. And again, she said, yes. Most of the people are traveling. We're seniors in their home. They have two bathrooms in this 1,300 square feet. One of the bathrooms is under remodeling, reconstruction. So there's one bathroom for everybody. And to get to the bathroom, you have to walk right through their bedroom. All day, all night, they said, uh, we basically said to the group, we don't care if you don't care. And they just started coming through. And then everyone was sleeping on the floors, a couple people on the couch. And this is what Goodwin said, you know, the 79-year-old man. He said, everybody just accepted. And then we just started joking about it. And I just can't say enough about how kind they were to us as strangers. Wouldn't that be beautiful if if people said, you know, these Christians, I just can't explain it. They're just so kind to strangers. Wouldn't that be a great way to be known or live out our faith? Fred Dente, 79 years old, says it was unbelievable. It is the way that humans should treat humans. That's profound. In this day and age, it was exceptional. It inspires. It's exceptional. And yet, what does the Bible say? Love God with our heart, strength, soul, and mind, and love our neighbors. The Pattersons, they opened up their home. It's a tough situation. People are at a low point. What are you gonna do? This is the story of God's love. We are sinners. We are outside of God's presence. We have nowhere to go. God sends his son Jesus and says, my house, my eternal home, it's for you. Jesus knocks on the door of our heart and says, come in, a savior who protects and provides. And we receive the forgiveness of sins and enter into God's presence forever. We are apart from God until Jesus intervenes and lays down his life and sacrifices and says, you will be mine forever. You will always have a place at this table. You will always have a place in heaven. And he adopts us into his family. God's love is exuded through this story. So good. I see Jesus in the news all the time through acts of love. What happens for the psalmist, there was waves of despair. Now there's waves of love. Aren't you glad when God brings waves of love that are greater than the waves of despair? And the psalmist starts to feel saturated, flooded. Day and night, he said, my food, tears. But now, what does he say? Day and night, God's presence, his songs, his love, his love for me during the day and during the night. Instead of a mode of achieving, this is a mode of receiving. And some of us are so bent towards achieving, I've got to tell you, you cannot climb the ladder to achieve and earn God's love. You can't be in achievement mode. Well, I got 99 out of 100, so yep, God better love me real good. It's receiving mode. His mercy, grace, presence, and love. And let me ask you, how's your receiver these days? Some of us, our receiver is blocked. 
That's, that's a big deal when your love receiver is blocked. Say, so, well, how does that happen? I'll tell you exactly how it happens. People lie to you, they disappoint you, they hurt you, they betray you, they abandon you, they abuse you, and out of all of that, you start to block love. You start to block love, and your receiver's kind of broken. And that's a big deal when your receiver's broken. Because if your receiver's broken, you're gonna have a very low view of yourself. Well, if that's how everyone treats me, it's probably because I'm just a bunch of junk. You're also gonna have a very low view of God's love. Oh, God only has a little bit of love. He loves the really successful people that can achieve it. But me, I'm different. And you end up in a really low place, low view of yourself. People have done you wrong, low view of God's love. And this one right here, writing this Psalm, that's where he's at. All of us have been there. It's not unique. We know what this is like. There's a passage in Mark chapter 16 that's always jumped out to me. And you think, here's the resurrection of Jesus. And this is what the angel says to the other disciples. Go tell his disciples and tell Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Jesus, just as he told you. Now what's happened? Peter, lowest point. What did he do? Denied Jesus three times. Jesus is on the cross, dying for his sins. Peter's been braggadocious. Oh, I'll always follow Jesus. I'll always be a Jesus follower. I'll always be faithful to God. And then what happened three times? I don't know him. I'm not sharing my faith. I'm not owning I'm a Christian. I'm ashamed. I'm gonna deny him. I'm in fear. I'm gonna hide. I'm gonna retreat. And then the rooster crows. Jesus warned him, you're gonna do this. And he's like, I'm never gonna do that. And the rooster crows. And then there's eye contact and Peter sees Jesus and Jesus sees Peter after his failure and defeat and denial. And then Jesus' death. And how do you think Peter's feeling for those three days? God knows. And that's why God says, the angel says, go tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter. Because I know Peter's not doing too well right now. Here's some Peters today. And God's saying, I'm directing my love to all the disciples. But make sure that Peter knows, I love him, I wanna see him, and I'm gonna restore him. There's a message for Peter. And you gotta receive. Uh, When we love God, it's with our head and our heart. The Bible says, love God with all your mind and also with all your heart. And you probably have a bent towards the mind or the heart. And what happens sometimes, because both are so good, there's risks in both. We wanna love God with all of our mind. In our culture today, with so many lies in our culture, it is important to know what you believe and why you believe it. Get the knowledge, uh, study the word, and know the foundation of your faith. In this culture, you need that. The battle of the mind's gonna be lies. You wanna walk in truth, love God with all your mind. The Bible doesn't say love God with only your mind. Love God with all your heart. And sometimes in churches, what happens is, is we feel like, well, the mind, that's safe, that's solid, that's answers, that's precepts, that's principles, good, mind, good, good. Love God with all your mind. And then we say, love God with all your heart. And then there's pushback, like, well, the heart, I mean, the heart can be deceitful. There, I completely agree. Don't just go through life and just follow your heart. Your heart can be deceitful. That would be bad, bad, bad advice if someone says, just go with your heart every time. No, our hearts run after the wrong stuff. Just don't go after your heart every time. 
But on the flip side, don't block your heart. Follow Jesus, don't follow your heart, but follow Jesus with all your heart. It's safer sometimes to stay in the mind because we're just like, okay, principles, multiple choice, facts, mind, there's evidence for our faith. That's great, be solid there, but also with the heart. You say, well, I don't know, the heart's raw. The, the heart, I mean, there's emotion involved. Some people, your view of God is that he's, he, he doesn't want us to be emotional. Can I just tell you, God's created you with the heart and emotion and feelings. And God wants to be the Lord of that. Not deny that you have those things, but be the Lord of that. Be the healer in that space. In some of us, the ratio's just been a little off. It's like 90% head, and we just don't really know what to do with heart. So instead we say, well, if I just keep getting more head, then I'm gonna be holistic. And it's like, no, you're not just gonna get more head, more head, and then be holistic. You're gonna love God through your heart. This is a relationship. Healing, receive his love, receive his grace. When I believed Jesus and I decided to follow Jesus, it was because of the evidence and in my mind, I knew it was solid, but also my heart. There was an emptiness there with success on the outside. And when I believed Jesus, I also received his love. And it was clear, his love is eternal, his love is daily, his love is personal. Don't stop receiving his love. Pour out your soul to God, receive his love. Here's the third piece today. And put your hope in God, your rock. Pour out your soul to him, make space for him, receive his love, pour out the junk, receive his love, and then decide to put your hope in God, your rock. Verse nine, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Look at this, a third wave. (laughs) Here comes again, downcast. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Those people haven't gone away. They just keep making it worse. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. The psalmist says in this third wave, I'm still downcast, I'm mourning again, I'm grieving again, I feel forsaken, I feel forgotten, I feel discouraged, I even feel it in my bones. Like It's not just my soul, my bones feel it. But I'm gonna remember hope. I'm gonna choose to remember God's past closeness, his faithfulness, his track record in the Bible, his track record in my life. I'm gonna remember how he's been good to me. I'm gonna remember his blessings. I'm gonna remember how he's blessed Israel. I'm gonna remember how he's blessed America, what he's done in our land. When you're around people, some people are just gonna usually bring, here's five discouraging things. (laughs) And other people are gonna bring, here's five things that God's done and that God's doing. Be one of those people that doesn't just, well, here's five discouraging things. Let's talk about what the Lord's done. It brings hope. It shifts and gives us a right perspective. There's hope in prayer. Learn how to find strength in God. There's a lot of phrases in the Christian faith that Christians know, but do they know the reality? A lot of people are gonna talk, find strength in God. That's a phrase in the Bible all over the place. David did it at his low point. First Samuel 30, his, his best friends, even family turned against him. People are against him. He found his strength in God. We can study it, we can describe it, but is it the reality of your life that at your low point, you know how to pray, find your strength in God and go from strength to strength, his strength in your weakness. That's the reality that God offers us. That's the hope. 
learning to do that, abiding with Jesus. And then hope is a choice, relational, confident trust. Your hope is as strong as the one in whom you hope. Some people say as a compliment, and there's some validity to it, this person is my rock. It's a compliment. If you say your spouse, your friend, your life group leader, like this person is my rock. And I would say that's true on one level, but we all need a rock greater than any person. If, if my ultimate rock is a person, <laughs> a flawed person, that's not gonna always be there, that's not gonna always understand me, that's not always, they're gonna have sin in their lives. Like if my rock is a person, like I need a rock greater than that person. I need a rock greater than I. I need the rock in my life. And to put your hope in Jesus, he is the rock. Your house will be like a house on the rock, not the sand. If you put your trust and hope in yourself, your house will not be a house on the rock. If you put your ultimate trust in somebody else, your house will not be a house on the rock. But if you put your trust in Jesus and abide with him, your house will be like a house on the rock. Hope is a choice. Where are you gonna put your hope today? Here's a picture from Southern California yesterday. This is not the first, but the second time. Four, over 4,000 baptisms yesterday. Yesterday in Southern California, over 4,000 baptisms. This is the sequel and the encore because the first time they did it, they, they realized so many more people want to get baptized now. So this is the second time this summer. Could you just get a vision across America of people getting baptized? Lakes, churches, pools, oceans, Every city in America, people are just putting their hope in Jesus. Out of the challenges we've been through the last couple years, maybe it's time personally and nationally that we pour out our soul to God and make space for him in our lives. Maybe it's time that instead of going to broken cisterns, we start to receive his love and his living water and get secure in him. And maybe it's time that we make a clear choice that my rock is Jesus Christ, that I will put my hope in him. I'm gonna invite the elders to come forward right now. We have a time of invitation. If you're here and you've never decided to follow Jesus, today's your day to make that decision. And you can come forward and just let one of the elders know, I'm deciding to follow Jesus. Some of you today will come forward because you know, I've been downcast, I've been struggling. I need prayer to pour up my soul. I need prayer to receive God's love today. I need prayer about where I put my hope and, and I'm ready. I'm ready just like the psalmist says, that God directs his love and I'm ready to receive today. Or maybe you're here physically and you have an ailment. You've been seeing doctors and they've been helping to some degree. They're doing everything they can do. Nurses are doing everything they can do. Physical therapists doing everything they can do. But you know that you need more and you need God's help today. So come forward. Can we agree today there's no shame in coming forward for prayer? Can, can we put our hands together and encourage people to come forward for prayer today? Coming forward to follow Christ, coming forward for healing. There is no shame. God, this is God's plan. This is God's will. I can say it confidently. It's in the scripture. This right here, God says, my house will be a house of prayer. The elders will come forward. They will anoint with oil. God lays it out. Come forward for prayer. It's God's invitation. This is not our invitation. God will meet you as you come forward. Let's stand up together and you can start to make your way forward. The elders are here across Right across, you just slip up the aisle where you're at. God, lead and guide us at this time right now of healing, restoration, seeking you, listening. 
God, we want to pour out our souls to you. We ask for your touch today. In Jesus' name, guide this time, Lord. Amen.